Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams. And with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach Andrew. Today we're doing a special Saturday Naked Mind Kickstarter edition. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Sarah Barab is the founder of Naked Mind Productions, a production company dedicated to producing socially conscious Dharma-inspired films. Sarah was a theater director and actor until 2006 when she switched her career to film. Sarah is also a yoga and meditation teacher and professional astrologer. She's the director and the producer of Naked Mind. You can learn more about Sarah at sarahbarab.com. That's B-A-R-A-B. And learn about her fantastic film project, Naked Mind, at www.nakedmindthefilm.org. Sarah, are you with me? Yes, I'm here. Happy to be here. Okay, great. Welcome to Coach's Corner. And so uh, we're going to talk about uh, your film, your upcoming film, Naked Mind. Great. So tell me about the title of Naked Mind. Where did that come from? Um, I got Naked Mind from my spiritual teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. It's um, something that he used to uh, talk about a lot, the the mind in its natural naked state, being a mind of clarity and luminosity and kindness, compassion. And I, I just I like the term a lot. It's um, it's both enlightening and sexy. Nice. <laughs> both like. Well, you you said something interesting in the in the beginning of your trailer about that. Can you remind me? That the state of the naked mind. Right. In our, yes. In our crazy society. Yes. Um, that it's it's actually hard to come by a natural naked mind state mm-hmm. um, because we're we're living obviously we're living in a in our Western you know modern busy world there are infinite distractions mm-hmm. constantly so um, tasting the the depths and beauty and magic of one's own naked mind or as the Tibetan Buddhists call call it the the nature of the mind to taste that or to have that experience I think is quite rare in our culture. Mhm. So your your movie is um is about really about meditation, correct? Yes. So you have a long history of meditation. I'd really like to hear about how you came into the world of meditation. Well, um, I was lucky. I found meditation quite young. I was mm-hmm. 17 years old, and um, I began searching rather um, fervently. Or It was a, a critical time in my life. A good friend of mine died suddenly. She got hit by a car, and I was struck by impermanence in a way I had never um, experienced it before, and I and I really felt like the had fallen out from under my feet. 
Mm-hmm. It was a profound experience of groundlessness. And I was in a, an existential crisis for many months. And during that time, I realized that I needed to have some, to be a part of some spiritual tradition that addressed the reality of impermanence and, you know, that accepted uh, and, and nakedly faced the reality that we're going to die and talked about it openly. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up with any religion. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel, um, <laughs> I wanted to say thank God. <laughs> right. But, but I, I'm very grateful, actually, that I did not grow up in any religious tradition. I'm grateful to my parents for that. Um, and I was really able to, to search on my own. And, um, and I did a lot of searching during that year after my dear friend Fiona died. I, um, you know, I looked into many different spiritual traditions, and Buddhism was the one that hit home for me. It became very clear that I wanted to spend <clears throat> time learning, um, you know, studying and practicing meditation. And so what, what was the process you like of learning all this stuff? Well, it's been a long process. Um, I mean, I've been... Uh, practicing for about 20 years. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, it happened in stages. I, My first retreat, my first long retreat, it was a month-long retreat. I was a little crazy. I just dove in. We were meditating 10 hours a day for 30 days and in silence. There's no talking during the retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Uh, I really felt like I was, at times during that retreat, I felt like I was going to absolutely lose my mind and like I would do anything to get out of this situation. I couldn't believe I had put myself in such a crazy pressure cooker. Um, but what happened was about two and a half, three weeks into the retreat after, you know, sort of <laughs> many hours of agony, um, my my awareness opened up in a way that's absolutely indescribable. I mean, I I, really, I think that only meditation practitioners uh, would would understand this, but it, it was as if my mind merged with space. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt a profound sense of beauty and just ordinary magic about being a human being, being alive. When I saw the other, um, you know, fellow practitioners in the shrine room, there were about maybe 150 of us on this retreat, I, I, you know, my my eyes would well up with tears because I was so touched by people. Mm-hmm. Like my my heart exploded open, and that changed my life forever. I realized that this is what everybody's looking for. Everybody's looking for uh, presence, just to be present. To me, being present is is what people really mean when they say they want to be happy. You know, everybody is on this kick of, I want to be happy, happy, happy. I think what they're really saying is, I want to be present. I'm not sure if I really uh, get that. Could you? Is there some a way for a, a guy who has not experienced this to com- comprehend that? Well, we, obviously we go through, as human beings, many ups and downs. And um, it's impossible to, to be happy all the time. But it is possible to be present okay. with with whatever your life situation throws at you. You know, whatever whatever is happening currently in your life, 
Mm-hmm. You can actually meet it with openness, with an open heart and an open mind. Mm. And 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 really take on life in a in a fearless uh with a fearless openness. And I think that for me that far surpasses happiness. Um to be present, to actually experience my life, to to make contact with people when I'm communicating with them, you know, with my heart to really make contact with my world and people in in the world. Um, to me, this is what life is about. And meditation is a tool, a very practical, very realistic tool to help you get there. Now, well, that's amazing. And so you, you know, you um, uh, right now in your professional life, uh, uh, what's your involvement with meditation? Well, I teach meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach at Swanand Yoga Studio in Chelsea in New York City. And I also teach in corporations. <clears throat> I was hired by a, an organization called Namaste New York, and they um, they send me to various, a lot of investment banking firms, quite honestly. Wow. <laughs> hire. What an image. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And so I teach meditation in corporations and at, currently at Swanand Yoga, and I, I may end up teaching at other yoga centers as well in the near future. And is there a particular style of uh, meditation that you are involved with? Well, my tradi- the tradition that I um, am a part of is Tibetan Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, the two most influential teachers for me, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and he's uh, no longer alive. My living teacher is Kasha Rinpoche, and they're both from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, so mm-hmm. I can't help being influenced by my upbringing, so to speak. Um, however, I what I teach has nothing to do with Buddhism particularly. Right. I really try to teach uh, meditation mm-hmm. from a, uh, as much as possible from a traditionless uh, place so that, that I don't I don't want the cultural trappings of Buddhism or the idea that Buddhism is a religion and so on and so forth I don't really want that to uh, taint the just a very simple basic practical teachings on how to meditate and how to work with one's own mind and one's own emotions now you know the fir- the fir- for for me uh, you know uh, the first time I ever heard the word meditation was Going back a long time ago to uh, uh, you know the the 60s and transcendental meditation and Maharishi Yogi, is there a, tr- a big difference between that type of meditation and what you are involved with? Um, you know, I I'm not sure. I would have to investigate the what the types of meditation that you've explored. Um, I'm sure there's similarities in most meditative traditions. There there usually is. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure. And that comes from you know, that's more like from India as opposed to Tibet. Yeah, but uh, you know, Buddhism traveled from India right to to, to Tibet, so it, it all comes from the same place. Is that really? And that had taken the world by storm for a while, and now I'm, I'm, I've heard different things over the years, and I personally have not ever experienced meditation though I've always wanted to learn more about it I've known people 
who have tremendously benefited by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's incredibly, I, I think that meditation is an incredibly different, not different, but difficult um, practice to to have continuity with mm-hmm. because it's so boring. And because <laughs> because you actually have to deal with a great deal of boredom. And, you know, our, our minds, our busy minds, our monkey minds, so to speak, constantly want to do, want to be entertained and do, 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 do all day long and be productive and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So to sit down and to do nothing and to follow your breathing and to just keep reminding yourself to be present, you know, to not allow your mind to wander to, well, I mean, the mind is going to do what it does, but to not follow your thoughts that are related to the future or the past, but to just stay in the present moment. And the way you stay in the present moment is by following your breath. Um, you know, to, to do this practice, you have to go through periods of excruciating boredom and be willing to sit with that. Mm. I mean, it does pan out in the end. Right. <laughs> you know, there, it's like long stretches of boredom, and then at a certain point you get this incredible expanse, you know, just absolute peace and a sense that you don't, you no longer have to try to be present. Mm-hmm. It's like everything is synchronized. Everything is coordinated magically and perfectly. You know, your your breathing, what you see in front. It's hard to describe, but there's a sense of absolute perfection, moment by moment. Like even if something is painful, that pain is perfect. Mm. Well, that's a, that's a great perspective. Yeah, and it doesn't happen to me very. Often. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, when it does, I feel very grateful. Now, now, can meditation, by the way, help like somebody with uh, ADD? Um, you know, there have been a lot of studies around attention deficit disorder and meditation, and from what I've heard, um, I haven't really studied this at length, but from what I've heard, uh, yes. Um, meditation, it's difficult for people with ADD to actually get themselves onto the cushion. I think that's the, you know, probably the most difficult mm. um, part is to sit down and, and to to not react constantly to the mental stimulation and need, feel, feeling that they need to get up and do something and change the channel, so to speak. Um, but I know that John Kabat-Zinn, um, when he developed mindfulness-based stress reduction and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. He's worked with a lot of different um, types of people, everything from schizophrenics to uh, people who are in chronic physical pain, and then also uh, working with Olympic athletes to just offer these relatively simple mind trainings around being present. I don't know if he's worked with AD, with people who have ADD, but most likely he has. Yeah, I, I, I'd be very curious about that just because I, I'm one of those people whose minds never shut up, and I would really love to find a, a non-drug version that uh, that right. calms the brain down. I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's painful to have a, a excessively busy mind. It really I is. Mean, you, I have like a monkey, never a monkey cage. I have. Yeah, 
like a whole monkey exhibit. It's like the Bronx Zoo in there. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so, um, so t- tell me what inspired you. I understand you've been working on this project for six years in Naked Mind. What inspired you to get started with that? Well, really what inspired me was um, I spent a year living in, in Nepal, and then off and on for the next five years, I was I was back and forth to Nepal quite often. I would spend, I, I would say, probably half the year there. Um, but the full year, the first year that I was there, the full year that I spent there, I um, I was incredibly moved by the culture that I was that I was a part of. I mean, I was um, there for the specific purpose to do retreats, to do meditation retreats, Mm -hmm. to study Tibetan Buddhist philosophy and to uh, at least begin to learn Tibetan language. And so I spent a lot of time living in a monastery called Pulahari, which is north of Bodhinath, Nepal. And and I, I had the great fortune of being around many um, incredible meditation masters and teachers. And when I came back to the States, I felt a strong calling to make a film that would in some way plant a seed or hopefully plant a seed in people's minds about what is possible for us as human beings. Because I was around what what I would call great extraordinary beings people who had um, who had really surpassed small-mindedness and ego ego clinging and their lives were so open and spacious and really about others and so I was saturated in, in that for a year and when I came back, I felt like it was really uh, necessary for me to try and communicate what I had experienced um, while I was living there with people in the West who might not ever have such a fortunate experience like what I had. And so, so to take on this, this is a pretty significant take on. To go, yeah, like, what did we, what did you imagine it look like when you first started to go from this idea to creating a film? Well, you know, Naked Minds has had many incarnations at this point. It started out being a film that was much more about uh, Western Dharma practitioners and mm-hmm. the difficulties we face taking um, our spiritual paths, you know, to heart and seriously and wanting to spend time doing retreats and so forth in a culture that doesn't really support that. Um, We've been to eight countries so far, and we've interviewed about 17 uh, meditation teachers and neuroscientists and ex-convicts and all kinds of people who are related to meditation in one way or another. Um, And so I think what's changed in... I mean, so much has changed really in the past six years, but the film now is much more it's looking at meditation from the perspective of why meditate, what does it do to your actual physical brain, how does it change consciousness, and we're looking at it from different angles, like Dr. Richard Davidson is in the film, and he's um, 
a neuroscientist who's been studying the effects of meditation on the brain for the past 35 years. He's mm. world world-renowned scientist, and and also a meditation practitioner and very close to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. They actually started the Mind and Life Institute together. Um, and I, I understand he's one of the most influential uh, people on the planet. Well, Time Magazine voted him one of the world's hundred most influential people, yes. So it's it's really a great honor to be able to work with him and to have him in the film. And um and we wanna we want to be able to present um some factual evidence, you know. Um I'm I'm interested as a filmmaker in approaching this from a journalistic perspective as well, I, the last thing that I want to do is proselytize or, you mm-hmm. know, I don't want this to be like rah, rah, meditate. I I really, uh, I want to look at meditation, and we are looking at meditation from many different angles, including Willoughby Britton's work. She's also a neuroscientist, psychiatrist, and professor at Brown University. And her work is around spiritual emergencies and the dark night of the soul. So we're also looking at when it's not a good idea to meditate. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, are are there any downsides to meditation? Definitely. um, If one's ego structure is not particularly um, healthy, if if you are already having, uh, you know, schizophrenic breaks or or even... um, just extreme mood swings or if you're in a in a deep state of depression and you're feeling like your ego is already dissolving in a way that doesn't feel good, um, to meditate will often increase the dissolution of self, right? So you have to have a very strong, healthy sense of self in order to begin to dissolve your sense of self in a healthy way. And so Willoughby Britton's work is, is very much around that, and she was also in the film. Now, would somebody who's in that situation would they know about that that they're that person? You know, that's a great question, and that is a question to ask Willoughby. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I will ask her because like, I think um, you know I would imagine that there's a lot of people who are attracted to meditation, um, but maybe don't have the groundedness or the guidance necessary to really uh to do it in a, in a healthy way i'm thinking of those old you know amusement park rides where it says you must be at least this tall for this ride right and, you know maybe <laughs> yeah. there needs to be that your ego needs to be <laughs> this tall <laughs> this, for you to, yeah, take this this, tall. Exactly. to take this boring ride yes this boring and very exciting ride boring and, and exciting ride yeah so that would be very uh <laughs> interesting yeah, and that and, and it is questions like that that we're going to ask Willoughby. So that would she be like work, mm-hmm. She does work with um, a lot of uh, people who are suffering from uh, mental illness or mm-hmm. what society labels mental illness. She believes that a lot of people who are labeled mentally ill have actually experienced a spiritual emergency and um, are not necessarily just mentally ill. They right. may be experiencing, you know, profound spiritual states. So it's it's fascinating work to me. And and so, you know, to have scientists and like Richard Davidson and Willoughby Britton 
is relatively new for Naked Mind. Um, mm. This really started happening just just a couple of years ago. So for four years, the film was much more about um, about Buddhism and about meditation from a Buddhist point of view. Mm-hmm. And now Buddhism is taken out of the picture altogether. This this film is looking at meditation, uh, you know, in a, from a secular standpoint and and really we're not talking about Buddhism anymore. We're just talking about the mind. And so, so I would imagine that will, you know, open up some of who it might appeal to. And that's really the point. We'd like people to be encouraged mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than discouraged to meditate. And I know that, you know, the term Buddhism turns a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be a Buddhist. Like a lot of people have said to me, uh, so does that mean that you don't have sex and you don't drink alcohol and so on and so forth? And, you know, that's just funny to me. <laughs> but okay. No, um, it doesn't mean that at all. I mean, if you're a monastic, then you you abstain from from certain uh, things like sex and alcohol and, and so on and so forth. But I'm certainly not a monastic. And my my experience with being a meditation practitioner is that life gets more and more juicy and exciting and sexy and alive. Mm. I like that. Yeah, so for me, Buddhism is uh, is very different um, from, I think, the general popular misconceptions. So there could be a, a naked body to go with a naked mind, is what you're saying. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, Definitely. good. There should be. Absolutely, that's great. Um, so there's a, a particular a person in your movie. I want to. Uh, I've seen a couple of clips uh, of, uh, uh, and I'd like you to talk about uh, the woman who experiences the dark meditation. Sure. Yeah. Her name is Machik, and um, she is an absolutely extraordinary woman. Um, she does. She's been doing retreats for a very long time. I think she discovered uh, meditation quite young because her mother was a Dharma practitioner and um, and had Buddhist teachers and, and so on and so forth. And um, so I believe that Machi started doing retreats when she was about 13. Mm. And now she just turned 30. And she um, she does something which is considered medically impossible, which is she goes into dark retreat, like a traditional dark retreat that's an absolute pitch black darkness. It's like a cabin um, that's specially designed to have no light whatsoever. And and she goes into retreat and she sits in a meditation box, um, which is something in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition that three-year uh, retreatants they they sit and sleep actually sitting up in their meditation. Really? Yes. What, 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 are you supported in a sitting position? Uh, no, you ju- your head just kind of you know flops to one side. Wow. You, you're not really. Su- I mean, I, I think that when people fall asleep, they probably slump, but they actually uh-huh. sleep sitting up um, because they're practicing meditation even in their sleep. They're practicing dream yoga. Mm-hmm. So there's there's never a time where they're really. I mean, the idea is that you don't uh, you don't go unconscious. 
So Machik has her meditation box, and hers was um, especially hers was specially designed by a, a Tibetan doctor, so that steam comes out of it. So she sits in the box, and the last retreat she did it was 40 days, pitch black darkness, absolutely no food and no water. The only moisture her skin got was because the, the box emits steam. Um, and she didn't uh, leave the box. She said that she stopped needing to go to the bathroom after four or five days, so she no longer had to urinate or, you know, uh, the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and so she, for about 35 days, she stayed in the same position, and she was in such a deep state of meditative absorption that um, she really had no need to to eat or drink or move. Now, coming out of retreat takes a long time for her to be able to walk again. She has to go very slow with, you know, even moving her legs because she, her hips are somewhat fused in the sitting mm. posture, you know. Um, but, uh, but in any case, and, and of course her eyes readjusting to the light takes a lot of time. But this is something that she does. It's a very deep practice for her, and she does dark retreat quite often. <clears throat> and um, my film partner, Paxton Winters, and I are going to be documenting one of her dark retreats with infrared cameras. Um, we're going to have cameras on her 24-7 for the skeptics who really don't believe it's possible to survive. And mm-hmm. I believe me, I get it. I, it's hard for yeah. me to believe that she can survive without drinking water for such a long period of time. It's, it's you know, we're taught that that's absolutely humanly impossible. And the very exciting um, news is that Richard Davidson, although he hasn't 100% agreed to uh, do research on her before, during, and after this retreat, he um, is definitely flirting with the idea. So we may be um, we may be going to Madison, Wisconsin, where he has his laboratory, and he may um, conduct research on magic and her brain and her, uh, you know, her body and so forth. Mm, that's very exciting. Very exciting, especially because he's one of my heroes. So, you know, I, I, I hear the 40 days thing. That is like such a, uh, you know, that 40 days is a really big historically um, spiritual number. Yeah, um I don't think that it was intentional on Machik's part to, mm-hmm. that her last dark retreat just happened to be 40 days. She's done a number of 30-day uh-huh. retreats, and I think she just uh, wanted to see if she could go a bit longer this time. You know, she's somebody who I think if she could, she would be in retreat for the rest of her life. You know, she doesn't um, she doesn't have strong attachments to worldly life. Mm-hmm. She she loves being in a deep state of meditative absorption, and I think she would be very happy to live in that state, you know, as often as possible. And how do you like? How does that uh, uh, strike you personally? Well, I think that for some people, that's really what their life is about. Mm-hmm. You know, very few, very rare um, people can fully dedicate themselves to uh, working on their consciousness uh-huh. to what some people would call enlightenment. Um, 
and but you know with with the diligence and right. perseverance because it's an extremely difficult life. But she's one of those rare few people who uh, I feels like this lifetime for her is very much about waking up to her true nature as deeply as she possibly can. Mm. And, and and so she's not somebody who has any like misses anything. I don't know. Um, I mean, she may miss things from time to time. She certainly doesn't have a strong desire to, you know, she, I don't think she has any desire to settle down, get married, have a family. Um, I mean, does she date? Does she have friends? Or does she have... Yeah, she has. She does date. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it dating. But <laughs> she, has, she has partners um, from time to time, and she uh-huh. certainly has many, many friends. Um, but she does not... Uh, she doesn't view relationships the way most people do. Right. There's absolutely zero ownership or possessiveness mm. in her in in her giving of love and in her receiving of love. Um, so that blocks out, you know, the general way we I think we view marriage in this culture is like uh, there's definitely some possessiveness involved for most. Couple. Right, sure. Yeah, but I mean, there's a whole contract and all that. After all. Yes. So yeah, I don't think that's part of her, of her <laughs> belief system. She definitely does not think that people should, um, you know, be monogamous if that's not their true nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that they should keep each other back in any way. She's a proponent of true love, which mm-hmm. enables. Enables you know your partner, your friends to be free to do right. what is what is true and real for them. That's amazing. So um, tell me some of the things that have really surprised you, or that you have learned in in the six year journey that um, you would like to share right now. Well, something that that surprised me is. Um, is well, you know, Richard Davidson's work has has really influenced me, and I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I'm I'm continually in awe by um, by how much we we can uh, restructure and rewire our own brain from meditation practice. That to me is truly astounding. You know that that we can change our programming, that we don't have to actually end up being the person that we are right now. Let's say that, like for me, and this is actually true, um, I would say that uh, anger is is difficult for me. I mean, I can respond at times. It takes a lot to really make me angry, but when I feel triggered, I can explode in rage. And that's programming that I would like to change. And I know that I have the tools to do that. Mm-hmm. What's bizarre is that it doesn't really make sense that by sitting down on a meditation cushion and following your breath and being present moment by moment, it doesn't really make sense logically that mm-hmm. that would restructure negative patterns and negative conditioning. However, it does. And Dr. Richard Davidson's research shows that to be true. 
to me, that's, this is fascinating because it, it gives us as individuals so much power. We can actually make significant changes. And I'm talking about structural changes to the brain itself. That's just an amazing piece of information. <clears throat> yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, as I've been making this film the past six years, I'm continually in awe of of what what I'm learning from these extraordinary people that are part of the film. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've come across in the process of creating Naked Mind, the movie? Well, okay, one of the challenges is uh, to narrow down, um, you know, the, the topic and all the areas of, of interest that I have related to this topic, because really, I mean, you know, this. If I if I could, I would make ten films mm. on this topic because there's so many different angles and perspectives, and I and I happen to be somebody that has difficulty with editing <laughs> all the juicy possibilities. So that's been um, challenging for me as a filmmaker, and and then it's also been a continual. Um, fundraising situation, which is just draining, and I would, I would much rather spend my time and energy focusing on the creative aspects of the film and not have to deal with so much fundraising, but that's just a reality of independent filmmaking, you know, and especially independent documentary filmmaking. Hmm. And so, like, and how about some of the, uh, the, the challenges of, like, just actually creating this and making it happen? Well, um, you know, I, I mean, quite honestly, I've been incredibly fortunate and and lucky in that the most incredible team has manifested, you know, just again and again. I mean, we've we've had probably at this point, you know, four different camera people who've worked on the project. We've had um, just amazing uh, support. And it's that part of the, the the project has been somewhat effortless for me. Um, mm. You know, I don't know what you know if I just if that was auspicious coincidence or what, but the project seems to magnetize people who are really willing to help and support. A lot of people have worked for free. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had amazing technical support. A lot of it's just been offered. Right now, we have a, a kick-ass writer. I uh, we have. You know, Sarah McCarran, she's writing for the film. Paxton Winters is um, working with me as a director of photography, and he's also in the film. Um, Maitza Kadir is is uh, my personal assistant, who I truly could not live without. Mm. <laughs> and and many, many others. We just, we have a, an amazing team. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I really, I, there's something about you, Sarah, that's causing that to happen. Because I, I I don't know you a very long time, but the, the, as soon as you tell me about this and there's something in, about the time that I spent with you when I first met you, it's like, yeah, I want to be part of this. Like, what can I do? How can I help you? So you 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 create that as something about you, and I I can't put a thing my finger on it, but I will tell you that that's something about who you are. I'm, that, by the way, this is me this is me acknowledging you. Thank you. I, I receive your acknowledgement, and that really that makes me very happy that you see me that way. Yeah, and there's no effort. You you didn't have to ask me anything, right? 
I didn't have to ask you anything. You didn't have to ask me anything. I mean, it's just, it's just, you just kind of caused that, like, boy, why do I want to help her? I just something about who you are that 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 drew me into, yeah, come come on my show. You know, it's like we got to talk about this. Mm. Right. And I think also the the topic is mm-hmm. magnetizing for people. I mean, mm-hmm. I I you know I feel honored that you feel that that I am also magnetizing people. I think the content of the film is also, you know, it's exciting. Oh, it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. About... I'm not saying that that's not part, but I'm just saying that you, you, you are maybe because you're magnetized by the content. I think I'm insanely passionate about yeah. this, and people have have definitely told me that I'm, you know, hyper focused in an absolute obs- obsessed way, which mm-hmm. is true. I am. I'm. I'm obsessed with this project and it's okay with me um because uh i can't think of a of a better of a better thing to do this at this moment in my life this is it you know i'm i'm deeply grateful that i get to be a part of something that is potentially so beneficial and that means that you are somebody who through your medium you touch move and inspire Thank you. You're welcome. So I would like to uh, talk now about what you're up to right now uh, in the next uh, uh, week, a little over a week, uh, with your Kickstarter. Yeah, actually it's a week. Um, and I think I don't think it's over a week at this point. Oh, I think well, it was over a week mm-hmm. the last time I looked, but that was a day ago. Yeah, I think we have seven <laughs> days left, either seven or eight. Okay. Um, yeah, and so we're nearing the end. And Kickstarter has been kicking my ass in mm-hmm. a really intense way. Um, but it's also great. We've raised um, over $38,000 in the last month. And we have uh, we have to reach our goal of 45000 in order to get to keep any of what we've raised. That's the way Kickstarter works, and it's very stressful, and it's just how it is. So... Um, so, yep, I just got to keep plugging away for the next week. And, uh, you know, one thing that that I want to mention is that we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all the donations to Naked Mind are tax deductible. And um, and our Kickstarter, our Kickstarter page has the trailer for the film, and it also has a, a number of interviews and raw footage. Mm-hmm. So listeners who want to check it out, you know, feel free to watch the videos that are on the Kickstarter page. And also I'd like to um, encourage people to reach out to me if you have any questions about the film or if you just want to talk about meditation or, you know, whatever comes up. I'm I'm available and happy to receive messages and correspond. Okay, that's great. So you could, you could, so why don't you tell us right now and then I'll, I'll ask you another question, uh, your, your, how people can find you. Um, people can find me on Facebook, mm-hmm. Naked Mind the Film. You can also um, friend me personally on Facebook, Sarah Barab. Um, and uh, on the Facebook page, you can email me directly from there. I'll just say my email right now in case anybody just wants to email directly from the show. Mm-hmm. My email is sarahbarab at gmail.com. So those are probably the best ways to um, to contact me. 
Okay. And, you know, for the for the rest of the world who is not on Facebook, how dare you? But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we also have the Naked – I'm sorry, say the, the, the movie site. The the title of the film is Naked Mind. Mm-hmm. And the movie no say the, uh, the 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 site for the movie the website. Oh, it's www.nakedmindthefilm.org. Okay. Now, by the way, anybody listening, if you're not hearing that or you couldn't write it down, all of the links are on the show page in the blurb, where you can find all the stuff. I'll, I'll add a couple of things that we just talked about. So. Uh, going back to the Kickstarter, so you have a week to go. You have how much more do you need to raise? Seven thousand. We're getting close. Okay, great. And uh, I, one of the things I love about Kickstarter are the are the perks that you can yeah. get when you when you donate various amounts. So why don't you tell us some of the cool perks? Yeah. Well, on our Kickstarter page to the right are all the gifts for backers. Uh huh. And we have. Um, we have amazing photographs from uh, our travels. Photographer William Carnett, an extraordinary photographer, he was traveling with us for um, one of our production trips and took just beautiful, stunning photographs. So um, that's one of the backers' rewards is mm-hmm. photographs from Bill. We also have the writings of Sweet Mall. Sweet is in the film. He's an extraordinary Dharma teacher and ex-convict. He was incarcerated for 15 years himself. Now he works teaching meditation in prisons and teaching meditation all over the world, actually. And so we're giving away one of um, the books that he wrote, which is called Dharma in Hell, The Prison Writings of Fleet Mall. And then at the higher levels of, uh, I mean, I don't want to go over all the backers' rewards because there's so many. No, just like the ones that really you'd love to tell people about. Yeah, we're we're also um, doing a. Um, you can uh, have a live podcast with Fleet Mall, um, and we're also offering, you know, various gifts like um, a, an exclusive VIP dinner with mm. the filmmakers and with Fleet. Um, Superna Bastine and I, the founder and CEO of She Creates Change. We're offering a workshop, um, which is a spirituality and right livelihood workshop. Um, that's one of the backers' rewards. And then, of course, for the people that are really uh, giving generously, at the highest um, mark, I believe it's $10,000 donation, which we did get one of, by the way. Mm, we actually wow. had one amazing, um, <laughs> amazing angel donor who donated $10,000. So what he receives for that is an executive producer credit, and he also receives one day of our director of photographer uh, filming whatever he wants them to film. So it can be, you know, his daughter's wedding, or it can be a project that he's working on, or um, you know, something, whatever he would like to be. Wow, that's really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So uh, you know, you mentioned actually uh, a little while ago. But a minute ago, outreach, and I wanted to ask you about the outreach program that you're involved with. So Naked Mind has an outreach program um, that is partnering with Prison Dharma Network, which is Sweet Mall's nonprofit organization where uh, meditation is taught in prisons. 
and we're partnering um, with Prison Dharma Network to take the film once it's completed. We'll take it into prisons. We'll take it into veterans' hospitals, high schools and universities. We'll show the film, and then we will have a Q&A, and then we'll teach meditation on the spot to anyone that is interested in learning. And we'll provide resources for people who want to cultivate a meditation practice so that they can find out about Dharma centers, meditation centers in their uh, area. And they can also correspond with uh, meditation teachers, especially for the prison inmates. They can correspond with meditation teachers, you know, via mail and receive books in the mail and write letters back and forth and ask questions and really cultivate a relationship with their own personal meditation instructor so that during their prison sentence they will they will be able to use their time as a kind of retreat. Wow, that's pretty that's a, it could be tremendously transformative. Yes. Not only for that individual, but, I mean, when you're transforming uh, somebody who's in that environment, you're potentially transforming uh, the society, or so the effect of that person on society, especially when when they become released. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's been amazing studies studies done, and and one film made about this um, called Doing Time, Doing Vipassana, and Vipassana is a type of meditation. And the results are astounding. Um, prisoners who are taught how to meditate and have a regular meditative uh, practice, right, regular meditation practice, they um, they show greater signs of reform once they're released from prison than than any other prisoner. Mm. So, so basically, meditation is is a tool that's now being used. I mean, Prison Dharma Network is really doing prison reform by teaching meditation in inside prisons. By the way, a, a, a question came in to me Great. for you uh, about the uh, about uh, meditation per, per se. Um, wants to know about uh, you, 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 that you speak about your experience, but you haven't spoken to the average individual how our thoughts will arise and to notice your thoughts and not push them away? And that's sort of a question. So uh, is, is there anything you can comment about that? Sure. Um, so the the practice is to, to notice the thoughts as they arise and to not necessarily push them away, but also not to follow them. So the technique is as you notice your thinking, you label that thinking. You know, you become conscious and aware that you are thinking when you're thinking and that that's actually not something to reject, but it's also not something to follow. What we tend to do all the time is we follow our thoughts and they lead us all over the place and we actually leave the present moment because if I'm speaking to you right now but I'm thinking about when I was lying on the beach in Hawaii three years ago, Mm -hmm. I'm not present. Right. Our conversation, and that's what we're doing all the time. The mind is very tricky and very slippery. Oh yes, and so it's it's just kind of slipping and sliding all over the place. So when you're meditating, um, I believe that what you're doing is you're training your mind to be present, moment by moment. Meditation is a mind training, and um, and yeah. So I hope that answers the question. That it's really not about rejecting thoughts. Mm. But it's but it's also about not following thoughts, and that requires discipline and effort. 
Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a completely like I I would have gone there too in my mind. Like, how do you push your thoughts away? And so that's that's actually a completely different uh, uh, idea of not following them rather than pushing them away. Exactly. You, it doesn't help to push thoughts away. What we resist persists. Mm. Right. Oh yeah. So to to push your thoughts away, they're just going to come back with a vengeance. It's really about opening yourself as much as possible. Um, and at the same time, remaining incredibly focused and disciplined. So it's it's really like two opposite things happening at at once. You're you're not rejecting anything, but you're staying focused. You're allowing thoughts to come and go because that's what thoughts do. But at the same time, you are not following them at all. So they arise. You acknowledge them. They dissolve. Mm. Thoughts actually do this. They arise and they dissolve. But when we follow them, it just begets more and more thoughts. They go and into like a mating frenzy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's sort of like you know, like talk, like with the law of attraction, what you 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 focus, whatever you focus on, you get more of, whether it's good or bad. So if you focus more on the the thoughts you're getting that you want to push away, you're just gonna have more of them, right? That's right. If you if you focus on not having thoughts, that's a sure way to think more. Exactly. So yeah, so it's really not about not about not having thoughts. That's another popular misconception about meditation. People say it, it's about having no thoughts. No, that's that's not true. Um, it's not about having no thoughts because that is not possible. You know, if I said Andrew, stop thinking right now, <laughs> totally impossible. It's, it's outside of our control. Well, that's like that moment in Ghostbusters where if you've seen that movie, it's like, you know, don't think of anything, you know. Whatever you think the monster's going to use. And he thinks of the Stay Puffed Marsh. I'm so sorry. I couldn't help it. Popped into my head. And here we have this giant marshmallow man attacking New York City. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good metaphor. So, uh, believe it or not, we're at the top of our hour. This has been uh, phenomenal. I really... I want to thank you so much for being with me today on our special Saturday so edition. Much. Saturday edition. Yeah, this was great, Andrew. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And so, everyone, I command you <laughs> <laughs> to go to nakedmindthemovie.org. Nakedmindthefilm. Um, sorry, nakedmindthefilm.org. And on our website, you can just click the link to Kickstarter can watch all you know, watch the trailer and all the the short videos that we have up there and if you feel inspired please make a tax deductible donation and i'll just put this out anybody who has done that if you then get back to me send me an email or get get in touch with me on the show you tell me you made a donation i will give you a free session of coaching oh that's awesome andrew thank you for that you're very welcome thank you and so thank you very much, and I, and I wish you all the best of luck. I know that you're going to make it. I am very excited about this, and I can't wait for this movie to come out. Thank you so Heck, much. Why don't you tell me, make up, a, make up when this is going to happen. Make up when we're going to reach our goal? We, no, make up, make up when, this movie, when, when this movie will be coming to a theater near me. Just like put something Oh, out. yeah. Well, actually, we, we have a, a plan that it will be ready by... Um, if we have all the funding that we need, it should be ready by February 2014. 
awesome. Yep. Okay, so now we, I know where I'll be in 2014 in February. We'll be at a at a at a theater watching this at movie. A, at a theater near you. A theater near it's me, or, or near somewhere, somewhere, some maybe you know in Hawaii on a beach. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere cool. <laughs> Yes, hopefully many theaters all over the world. Many theaters. I'm. I'll, I'll be at one though. I can only be at one place at one and time. And many prisons as well. Many I prisons. will definitely not be watching it in prison. But <laughs> okay, hopefully Andrew, there'll be some thank great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And we'll be back uh, a, a week from Monday here on Coach's Corner. Thanks for listening. And again, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Andrew, and at myfuturecoach.com. Thanks and have a great weekend. Goodbye.